Good morning, City Hill Church. Many of you were at church yesterday and again today. God bless you. That's commitment. So from, from our family and from our church family, we just wanted to say a very Merry Christmas to all of you. And at the moment as a church, we've been going through a series called Gifts for a King, Gifts from a King. And we're looking at how the gifts given to Jesus were actually symbolic of the gifts that he was actually giving back to us. So Jesus Christ has blessed all of us. He's gifted all of us. And this morning we're going to talk about one of those gifts. Uh, I remember when, when I was young, Christmas was all about the presents. <laughs> and that's like all Christmas was about. The giver of the gifts was far more... Ex- I mean, the, sorry, the giver of the gifts yeah, was nowhere as exciting as the gifts themselves. I didn't care who gave me what. I just cared about what it was. You know, I was just very excited about the gifts until the one day I got a chessboard. (laughs) And then I was like, who did this? (laughs) You know, I want to know. Like, who who gives somebody a chessboard? Uh, Give me good gifts. Christmas was about me and what I got. And by the way, if you're sitting in the room and you got your family a chessboard, (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, They will learn to love it and they will appreciate it as they get older and learn what it is all about. Um, as, As we get older, the who starts becoming more important than the what. The who becomes more important than the what. Who I am with rather than what I get. Who I'm with rather than what I get. When it comes to uh, Christmas, Jesus pulls the who and the what into one, and he blesses us with a gift beyond measure. And like I said, these gifts that were given to Jesus by the wise men were symbolic of the gifts he was giving back to us. So this is what the scripture says about what those gifts were. Matthew 2, verse 10 to 11. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. This is the Magi, the wise men. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So we've looked at the frankincense and how frankincense represents Jesus as our high priest. Jesus stands in the gap. He intercedes on our behalf. Then we looked at the myrrh and how it represents how Jesus Christ was born to die to take away the sins of the world. He is our suffering servant. And today we're talking about the gold. The symbolism of the gold points to Jesus as the king. This morning we have gathered, we have dressed up, we are celebrating Christmas because we are celebrating the birth of a king. So we're going to talk about the kingship of Jesus. And let me tell you, it's not what we would expect. Listen to how Paul describes Jesus when he writes to Timothy. This is, this is very strong language Paul is using. He says this, 1 Timothy 6.15. For at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only almighty God, the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Paul is using very, very strong language, especially in this context, to say that Jesus isn't just a king, he's the king. It's very, very different. Not just a king. In other words, he's not a king over a particular territory. He is the king over all kings, reigning supreme over all, in all existence, for all time. The king of kings. Time itself is hinged on the existence and the birth of Jesus Christ. The universe is sustained by the kingship of Jesus Christ. Our lives are sustained 
and exist under the sovereign hand of our king. Now with that in mind, how would you expect that level of God-ordained authority to enter the world? If you could choose where you were going to be born and you were going to be the king of the universe, which Jesus is, the king of all things over all time, how would we expect a king like that to be born? So the Jewish people had a particular idea of what this king was going to do. He was going to step in and he was going to come and overrule and dominate and sit on the throne and, you know, be the king of the Israelite people and the king of the world. But how would a king arrive? Imagine the supreme king being born today. I think if, if, if a king of that stature was born in today's world, surely it would be like luxury linen uh, crib with the, the best sort of fabrics and silk. Uh, and he would have had um, des- little designer shoes on. <laughs> and I was actually, do you know, you know guys that are part of the church? If you're not part of the church, this is just going to be a little tip moment. I, I, I started Googling <laughs> how much shoes cost for babies. <laughs> And I was like, you know, if this king of kings was born, what kind of shoes would you put on this stature of a king? And I looked up the most expensive baby shoes in the world, and then it came, to, like, I kind of went down the rabbit hole and found more expensive shoes and more expensive shoes, and eventually I found the most expensive shoes, not for a baby, but of all time. If this is the only thing that you remember from Christmas, I have failed. Um, <laughs> apparently, they, were, they are... The bread Air Jordan 13 worn by Michael Jordan when he won his sixth NBA championship in 1998. The price in Rand value of a pair of shoes, 40,644,956 Rand. <laughs> they must be very comfortable. <laughs> I told my brother, I was like, can you believe it? Over 40 million Rand for a pair of shoes. He said, I'd only be, only be able to get one. I was like... <laughs> I'm not going to wear the lace, carry the lace. Anyway, what kind of shoes would you get for the king of the universe? What else would you expect to surround a king if a king like that was born today? We'd expect them to be born in a palace of great renown in the most wealthy area on earth. And there are some very wealthy areas. Surrounded by power and status and palaces and an entourage of dignitaries, golden robes, red carpets, an absolute celebration everywhere they went. No doubt, at least a three-kilometer blue light brigade of Rolls Royces. No doubt about it. Royal celebrations. Uh, yes. <laughs> I need to look natural while you... <laughs> oh, wow. Guys, for those that are watching online, there is no online service... So you only get the live deal today. You've got to tell your friends, please. Jesus is not only a king. He's God incarnate. Supreme over all existence. The sustainer of all things. And also, the God of the unexpected. His ways are not our ways. So if you knew that you were going to choose to be, I mean, God incarnate. And you can choose anything you want about your life. Jesus' ways were not our ways. Nobody expected... In, in biblical days, if you were a shepherd, it means that you were at the bottom of the food chain. It means that you couldn't get a real job, so you would be a shepherd. In other words, you were with the animals while everyone else was with the people. They were included in the crowd surrounding Jesus when he was born. Shepherds. The lowly of the low. Nobody saw that coming. 
His dad was a blue-collar worker. And remember, they had to run for their lives. So he was about to rush into exile. Therefore, he was probably going to be unemployed. So he would have had a stepdad, so to speak, who was an unemployed guy running for his life. Nobody would have seen that coming. Jesus was born in a town with such a bad reputation that even bluff locals would look down on them. (laughs) We're not being recorded. Oh, we still, we are being recorded. (laughs) Guys, guys, the people from the bluff, you know I love you. (laughs) I say that for my safety. (laughs) It's Christmas. We love everybody. So Jesus was not born in a great town of status. He was born in a town that had a reputation. If you were born in that town, you were that person. Jesus was friends with prostitutes. He touched lepers, was surrounded by ordinary, broken, uneducated, and rejected people, and loved those that the religious people deemed as unclean, unholy, and unworthy. Nobody expected that from a king. Those that the religious people saw as unworthy of life, they just deserved to be put to death. Jesus would defend and protect them. He valued relationship more than reputation. Nobody expected that from our king. Nobody expected the king of kings, the king of kings, God almighty on earth, to ride into Jerusalem on a borrowed donkey. No blue lights, no luxury limousine, no Rolls Royce, but a borrowed animal with ticks and fleas. Nobody expected the King of Kings to stand trial in a mock court case for sins he never committed and not say a word. No list of lawyers, no delegates, no authorities. I mean, I would have been like, moment, you know, rip off your top, your capers underneath and you call down the angels and you go, this is who I am. Jesus just remained silent. They expected a king Yet he didn't appear as they expected. They didn't expect that he would be so unexpected. They expected a king to ascend a throne. Instead, the king was beaten, whipped, humiliated and tortured to ascend a cross and to die the death of a criminal. Nobody expected that. When we are falsely accused, when you are falsely accused, how do you feel? How do you respond? How do you react? When somebody comes to you and says this about you or defines your character in a certain way and you know it's nothing like you, what do you do in response? Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Creator, being crucified by the Created, hung on the cross and again did what we would never expect. He prays for mercy and forgiveness for the very people that are torturing Him. Who does that? Nobody would expect a king to live like Jesus lived and to die like Jesus died. Nobody expected that when he died, the skies would go dark and the earth would shake and the temple curtain would be torn in two from top to bottom, making way for the Creator to connect to the Created. Nobody expected that three days later, the stone would be rolled away, the tomb would be found empty and Jesus risen from the dead. How often do we expect God to be a certain way, to act a certain way, to reveal himself in a certain way, to work in our lives in a certain way? We serve a king that isn't here to fit our mold. If anything, he came to break it. We think we know how God should act. Yet God completely 
breaks the mold. So when Scripture teaches that Jesus is the King of Kings, how do we respond? Is that a Christmas song we're playing in the background? So when Jesus teaches, Jesus this morning, there's a declaration, there's a statement going out to all of us in the room, Jesus Christ is the King. How do we respond? In the nativity story, there are three responses to Jesus as King. And 2,000 plus years later, people are still responding the exact same way. Everybody in the room fits into one of these categories. And it's not for me to say where you fit. It's for you to say where you fit and stand before God on that um, stance. (laughs) The first is this. The response of King Herod. Herod was a king of Judah. He was appointed by the Roman Empire and he absolutely opposed Jesus Christ as king. <coughs> Excuse me. Ooh. Now when the wise men walked into Jerusalem, they asked, where, where is the king? Because we would like to go and worship him. His response, so to speak, was, I am the king. And they're like, that's good for you, little guy. We, that's king with a small K. We're looking for the king with a capital K. You know, people may bow down to you, but everybody will bow down to him, including you. He's not just a king, he's the king, right? And King Herod didn't like that. He didn't like anything coming along to jeopardize the fact that he was king over his territory and nobody must come and tell him how to live his life. So he went as far as to decree that all the children two and under, born in Bethlehem, must be put to death because of the talk of a coming king and he didn't want anything jeopardizing the fact that he was in control. Are you telling me that, you know... I have to worship you as king. Meanwhile, I am the king. I oppose the idea. He had what he had and he was where he was because he worked hard to get it and he deserved it. And therefore, anything that opposed that perspective, he would oppose. His thinking was, I am the king of my own life, my own destiny. And if you disagree with me, then I will oppose you because nobody comes to take the kingship away from my life. I live like I live and I do what I do. And I don't want religious people and some old book and some other king dictating how I should live my life. I am the ruler of my own life. That's King Herod. The second group is the Jewish priests. The Jewish priests were around when Jesus was born. When Jesus was born, they were around. The temple was going. And they didn't oppose Jesus Christ as king. Instead, what they did was they dismissed it. They even quoted the scriptures in Micah 5 verse 2, which is not going to be on the screen. There was, it, it actually says that the king will come from Bethlehem. So they would have been quoting the scriptures saying, guys, we can expect the king to come. And less than 10 kilometers away from the temple, Jesus Christ was born. There was talk of the coming Messiah, and they didn't even pitch up. How many people have heard the truth? They get invited to church, get invited to Alpha, to a life group, and they just dismiss it. Thanks, but no thanks. I'm sure it's great. <laughs> thanks for the invitation, but I'm busy for that. CEOs are busy people. <laughs> am, I allowed to, am I allowed to do it? CEOs stands for Christmas, Easter, other special occasions. Um, I'll, I'll, go, you know, I'll go to church then. I, rest, I dismiss. We are gathering to worship the King, to discover and live lives of purpose and why we were born and give glory to God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Uh, that's nice. Sounds fun. Hope you enjoy it. Not for me. He has a Bible. 
It's the God-inspired Word of God. It will transform your life in the best way possible. It carries wisdom. It carries power. It gives us hope and life and love and courage. It will transform you. Ah, no thanks. And then to the covers. <laughs> That's my cricket uh, hit in case you were like, what is happening with Tim there? <laughs> Standing on the wrong... Anyway. We invite people. We speak to my brain. Guys, I know. Don't roll your eyes at me. Come on now. Um, we invite people to church. We invite people to God. Dismiss. I'm all about the gifts, but I'm not so interested in the giver. Bless me, help me, serve me, be there for me. I want the gifts, but I'm not so excited about the giver. I'm all about the rewards, but not the relationship. I've seen these videos on YouTube. <laughs> I really wasn't sure this should go in, and it probably shouldn't. But um, these videos on YouTube where where this, some guy will walk up to some pretty girl and he'll be like, hey, um, are you keen to, I'm keen to like get to know you. Would you like to go grab a lunch uh, or, you know, like go on a date or something? And then the girl will be like, no, uh, I've got a boyfriend. Leave me alone. <laughs> so that, that's exactly how they sound. That was perfectly um, done. <laughs> Leave me alone, you know. I have a boyfriend. And he's like, oh, okay, that's fine. And then he walks up to his Lamborghini. He's like, doot, doot. And then all of a sudden she's like, oh, oh wait. <laughs> I forgot my boyfriend broke up with me. <laughs> Intentions on both sides. The point is we can't be all about what we get and not interested in the relationship. According to Scripture, when we prioritize the relationship... The rewards get added anyway. Seek first the king and his kingdom, and all these things will be given to you. Not live a life of seeking the other things, and when an invitation comes, dismiss. We cannot dismiss the king. So first group, I am the king. Second group, dismiss the king. The third group is the wise men. What was their response? They bowed down and worshipped the king. So what is our response? And nobody can respond for us. The goal is not just to know about Jesus. I think the whole world knows about Jesus. The goal is to know Jesus. Not to do some sort of religious duty and then tick the box because we say we've done it. But to be in relationship with the king. A king like no other king. The creator of the universe. And he says, I invite you into relationship. Maybe you are in the room today and you're thinking, I know there's more to life. I know there must be more to life. I'm just going through the motions and existing, but surely there's something more. This morning, I believe, there's an invitation to the king. Maybe you've been pushing it aside, you've been dismissing it, and you know that God is calling, you know that God is stirring your heart, yet today is the day of salvation. Respond to the king. A king has been born, and what is our response? And just so that you know, this is not an invitation to religion. Jesus Christ was quite um, strongly opposed to religion. Uh, I mean, think about it. The religious leaders didn't even show up. This is an invitation into relationship, acknowledging that the throne in our lives is not for us to sit on. It is That seat is taken, and it's taken by a king, and his name is Jesus. Is Jesus Christ on the throne of your life? Not temporarily, or you give it to him on Sundays. Is Jesus Christ your king? A king who didn't arrive as we'd expect him to arrive. I'm nearly done. Last scripture. Philippians 2 verse 5 to 11. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was, how's this? 
not just very important, a powerful delegate, the king of a very wealthy area. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place um, of highest honor and gave him the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. A line that I love and I use every Christmas and I'll say it again now. Um, during these times, during Jesus' times, there were world-renowned, powerful, well-known rulers, kings, powerful, powerful people. Caesar, Nero, was Caesar, was Nero, uh, Nero was a Caesar, and everybody knew and feared them. They were powerful people, kings in their time. During the same time, there was Jesus, relatively unknown, and his motley crew of disciples. Then, through Jesus' through Jesus's life, death, burial, and resurrection, the king was revealed. 2,000 years later, we name our dogs Nero and Caesar. And we name our children Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, after the men that laid down their lives to serve the king. This morning, I invite you to put Jesus Christ on the throne of your life. Maybe you have been serving him for a long time and you've been kind of climbing back onto the throne yourself. You include him and sometimes dismiss him. But this morning is an invitation from the king. Do you want to make Jesus Christ your king, your Lord, your Savior? And not only that, when you give your life to Jesus... What you get saved out of is huge. What you get saved into is huge. And it's not because we are amazing. It's because all of us at City Hill Church and all the churches in the area recognize their brokenness and their desperate need for a Savior. Merry Christmas, City Hill Church. I'm not going to miss a moment. We're going to end with one more song. And by the way, the offering went around during our worship. We didn't mention it before. We normally welcome our guests and explain the process. It is part of our worship. If it went past you and you're visiting, I'm glad you don't feel any pressure to give. As we stand up, if you have never given your life to Jesus, or you're in the room, maybe you've been going to church for a long time, you might be ticking all the boxes religiously, but you need to make Jesus Christ your king. I want to give you an opportunity to walk to the front. And while we worship... You give your life to Jesus Christ. It's, it's the most important decision you will ever make in your eternal life. Let's stand together. And for those that want, if you want prayer for something, come to the front as well. Otherwise, let us worship the King. And uh, Merry Christmas, City Hill Church. We, are, we have a very exciting start to the year next year. I encourage you, maybe you haven't been a regular church attender and you're sitting in the room and you're thinking, I'm not sure where I belong. Get involved because we have some great vision for next year. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful Christmas. Oh, there are mince pies uh, that will be available after the service. They'll go out now. Don't rush out. Let's worship together.
I thank you, Lord Jesus, that everyone in the room acknowledges and calls you king. Our Lord, I pray that for all of us, we don't let you rule and reign when we decide, Lord Jesus. We submit ourselves to your rule and reign. We live the lives you've called us to live. I pray, Lord Jesus, if we're just going through the motions to please somebody else, I thank you that you stir something in our heart to respond to the call of a living God, King of kings, Lord of lords. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that this day and every day will be about Jesus Christ. As for me and my household, as for this church, we will serve the Lord. Be exalted, our King. Amen.